Welcome to How to Live Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd, a series to help us see who we are made to be so we can do what we are made to do. This is Dr. Chip Dodd. Welcome to How to Live Podcast Uncut. Thank you for uh, listening today. If you're a first-time listener, uh, welcome. If you're a continuous listener, welcome back. For those of you who are first-timers, or even those of you who have just joined How to Live Podcast uh, Uncut, I want you to know that on Sage Hill Podcast, I think there are about 150 podcasts ranging on all sorts of topics, all of them having to do with seeing who you're made to be so you can do what you're made to do, which has been my mission statement for, well, you know, for 35 years of my career. I'm grateful to be able to have gotten to participate in all the things that I've gotten to do. Um, Very grateful about that. But uh, for those of you who are first timers, just want you to know that there there is a library of more information and please uh, join in and, and listen and hope that it assists in your life as it has assisted in mine. Today's podcast is called Where Are You? And it's introducing a very, very important word into our lives and, impo- and introduces uh, uh, the, um, the most accurate response for the greatest benefit. So um, this morning, I want to share a piece of what the word means and its impact on our lives. And then I want to, after the break, tell a story about its direct application and um, what it does for us. So the where are you starts with this. Aika is A-Y-E-K-A. It's an ancient Hebrew, Hebrew word that is still used in daily life today. It, mean, it literally means where are you? It is used today when a person, a parent, a friend, a compatriot wants to know about your inner world, of the heart experience of you. It's a question spoken towards someone who's become emotionally removed, distant or um, unknown or even secretive. And it's a question of invitation at the same time, spoken from one who loves and reaches to have reunion of heart with the other one who's removed. Aika assumes loneliness in the person speaking the question, and it, it, it communicates missing heartache and a concern from the speaker who seeks to hear from the heart of the one being questioned. As a word of pain, it expresses a groan or lament towards another. It's uh, almost like a dirge that someone has, is so far removed that I'm not sure th- that I can have you back. The one who asks the question has heartache and has a hunger to be close again. Aika laments, quote, you are lost to me and need to be found by me because my heart aches with missing you, wondering about you, craving to see you from the inside out. It is a question that seeks a renewal of intimacy. There are times when Sonia, who I'm married to, asks me, where are you? Even when I'm sitting beside her, she obviously can see me. She, she wants to know, though, what is happening inside of me, what's preoccupying my heart, what's removed me from being really present with her. I might ask the same of her when she seems to be emotionally removed or distant. 
from me, not just wanting to just rejoin her, but wanting to know what what is what is her focus, what's going on inside of her. The question itself is a caring, courageous question of love. In Genesis 3, 9, the word Ayika is used when God speaks to Adam. God is not asking about Adam or Eve's physical position. As an omniscient God, God knows exactly where they are. As an, uh, as an omnipotent God, he knows exactly what he can do to go get them. But God, this is the relational expression of God, the heart of God, the, 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 the creative force of love from God. God knows that Adam has removed himself emotionally and spiritually. So God comes to, into the garden and says, where are you? In Genesis 3, 9. And it's a groan. It's not just where are you as we would speak it in English, but Ayika from the standpoint of, of a lamentation, a oh no, oh no sort of sound to it. A, a God who loves and knows that his created ones, his people, have removed themselves from how they were how they were created to live. Adam answers the question as it was meant. He speaks from his heart. He speaks from the heart of who he was created to be. He says to God, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And therein is one of the most elegant stories, ancient stories, just as true today as it's always been, that we have such a propensity to not answer the question and to run from the question, to keep from being exposed as vulnerable or in need or like others, or equal because of our our fear. We tend to use our brains to help us figure out a way to hide out or get control of life instead of to cry out and be joined to life. So what happens is that Adam has removed himself from who he was created to be, connected in heart to God. God wanted him back. The proof is in God's response when Adam spoke the truth of his heart. After Adam revealed the truth that God already knew, a relationship begins again, a form of reconciliation through conversation. The long road to redemption that is in Jesus began that day. And today, in this day, Aika is still spoken by God to us all the time, calling us to show up in relationship of heart with God and others by telling the truth about ourselves. We are not created to remove ourselves from relationship. We're not created to do life alone in our own self-sufficiency, our false independence, or even in our technological, quote, intimacy, unquote. We, we are uh, continually called and created to live in relationship from the inside out. We're called to speak the language that we were created to use in the very beginning, I mean, even in the beginning of our own births, as I did, as I uh, presented that podcast uh, last week about the APGAR, that we're never created to lose how we were born and the language we're created to speak. We're made for connection. So we often call, we're called to speak the language that we were created to use, but so often what happens is that we trap ourselves in isolation and we curse ourselves by apathy. Or we abandon ourselves to secretiveness. 
and end up living alone. Just the opposite of everything that we're created to live like. Even everything that carries DNA is reaching out towards its fulfillment. All created, animated life does that. Anyway, so God is beautiful and good, always and forever seeking us out, willing to groan as an expression of never giving up on how he created us to live in relationship. Our responsibility, in other words, our ability to respond, which is where we get the word responsibility, although it gets tortured into something it really doesn't mean. But our, our responsibility is to use the courage we were created with, that full-hearted participation. And we, we are created to surrender to the one who created us to answer the question. We can also use that courage to ask the question, Aika, of others. Aika, where are you? God wants to know. Your loved ones want to know. Let us, let us not live without the answer. L- let us continue to return to the language of the heart, the language God created us to speak. In so doing, we can live in the intimacy of continuous and continual return and continual reconciliation with God and the others who hunger to know us. We hope that you are benefiting from this podcast. If you are interested in more material from Dr. Dodd, please go to chipdodd.com or Sage Hill Podcasts. Thank you for listening. We now return to the rest of the podcast. Aika is such a vital word. There's a story that I recall from years ago in the work I've done over the years. And not only do I see it in daily life, but in this situation, it actually occurred in a a clinical situation. Um, In doing addictions treatment, I had the great good fortune of one of the stories is I was treating a physician who was 74 years old at the time he entered treatment. Amazing man. In fact, he was a world-renowned surgeon who had he worked had his home base at an academic hospital, but from there he went all over the world teaching some techniques that he had created through his experience and risk taking and compassion and, and intelligence genius. He'd been in South Korea, Africa, uh, Europe, Russia, and even in South America teaching these techniques. It was a, it with burns uh, related to uh, just pain. Um, and anyway, so at 74 years old, the man came into treatment. He was a man that looked um, like uh, great dignity, a, a big man. In fact, his, his face uh, always reminded me of the bark of an oak tree. He, he just looked weathered and, he, and it wrinkled uh, from age. And um, he had a voice that literally, when he spoke, it sounded like his voice was coming from way below his throat, almost like a, a mountain speaking at a very deep deep, sonorous voice, almost past bass. And uh, he, uh, and a lot of people would think that at 74, I mean, you're an alcoholic. It just why, why even stop? But he was looking for something. In fact, he was actually um, unwittingly and unconsciously looking for uh, a way to answer the question that, that was coming to him. Where are you? Well, anyway, we were in a session one day, and I asked him about his son. I said, uh, 
you know, what did you used to call him when he was young, when he was little? And he said, I, I called him Johnny. So I said, well, you, you know, and I said his name. I said, well, it's time for you to write a letter to him. And he looked at me with just suspension of disbelief in some way. Just kind of looked at me like, okay, what, what next? So I took a, a pen and paper and I started the letter. It was Dear Johnny. And he just looked at me and he repeated the words, Dear Johnny. And then I said, okay, I thought myself, I said, every time I speak your name, every time I think your name is what I wrote down. Every time I think your name, I want to tell you, and he repeated the words back to me, every time I think your name, I want to tell you. And I put a comma right there and I looked at him and I said, what do you want to tell him? And he began to breathe uh, deeply and look towards the floor and then his, his, his chest began to heave. Uh, he began to almost shake. And he said, I want to tell you, I want to tell you. And he had this, this pain. And he, he finally came out with it. Uh, I want to tell you that I love you. And then he began to weep and weep. And I remember sitting there just uh, supporting and, and, and wanting him to have this glorious pain of, of answering the question of where are you and to potentially coming back to the life he was made to live. Well, I said to him, I said, well, you're going to read the letter to him. I'm going to bring him in. And he said, no, I won't. I won't read that letter. And I said, well, what would stop you? And he, he, he said with the same kind of pain that he had said, I love you. He said, he'll think I'm weak. And he repeated it again. He'll think I'm weak. And he began to cry again. This was a large, dignified, incredible man. I just can't, almost a photograph would have to be given to you for you to actually see him. But he was a man of great dignity, weather worn and tired and getting older by the day. Life was ticking by. Well, anyway, I, I, I I contacted his son and had him come in. Son was 54 years old. There's a father and a son, 74 and a 54-year-old. Almost like too much time has passed to even mess with this. And yet the time was just right to start all over again. So anyway, Johnny comes in. He's a physician also. And he was, uh, let's just say, um, a nice way to say it, very disinterested in um, whatever it was that uh, I wanted to do or whatever it was his father needed, understandably. So anyway, Johnny sat down across from the, the, the father and I sat as sort of like at the point of the triangle and uh, he just sort of sat there with apathy, cold, removed, distant, um, uh, doing obligation, doing his duty. And uh, so the man, the old man, uh, took the letter, had it written on a piece of paper, one sentence. And I said, would you go ahead, please? And he looked at his son, Johnny, and he read the letter. Dear Johnny, every time I think about your name when you were little, I want to tell you. And he began to breathe the same way he had the first time. He said, I want to tell you. Uh, And he groaned and he said, he blurted out the words, I want to tell you that I love you. And he just two times the pain that he'd been in before. 
in the session when I was with him. And he sat there and weeped, and Johnny sat there like stone. And then finally what happened was we were sitting there as sort of a checkmate, and, uh, and uh, or rather check, not checkmate, but check. And Johnny suddenly, though, looked out the window. And I knew at that moment, when a person looks out a window, they're looking for somewhere else to be instead of where they are. And when he looked out that window and then came back into the room, I, I said, uh, Johnny, uh, would you would you respond? And he looked across this chasm between he and his father of all those years. And he told the truth, but the truth from inside him. He was starting to answer the question, where are you? And he looked at his father with gritted teeth and he said, you're too late like a, almost the beginning of a growl. And then he took his, his fist, bald fist. This is a physician, 54 years old, and sort of put, put his fist on his thighs, on his knees really hard. He said, you're too late. You're too late. And then, then he blurted out with great passion. Why do you think I became a doctor? And then he began to weep. Why do you think I became a doctor? And then he said the most potent, tragic, saddest, glorious words. He said, how long do you think I've waited to hear those words? The simple words spoken from the heart. I love you. And both men were sitting there just broken and weeping and being reborn, coming back to who they were made to be and doing what they were made to do. And I, I, I glanced over at the, 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 the patient, the, the sick guy, the older physician who um, really wasn't so sick and just waiting. He was waiting to be reconnected. And I kind of glanced at him and with him, without looking at me, I, I just kind of nodded my head in an assent, like, you know what to do, the communication was. And he trembling picked up both of his hands with them to kind of open and just sort of just reached out just a little bit towards his son. And within seconds, they were in each other's arms, like two trees cracking in the forest, it falling tangled limbs into each other, supporting each other and not reaching the ground. Um, it was a perfect moment, a great moment. Now, it did not, nor will answering the question, where are you, showing up in life completely, it doesn't fix us, and it doesn't stop the pain of living. It, but what it does do, it, it, it is a question that reconciles us. It releases love. It releases love through reconciliation, redemption, recreation, restoration, it resurrects, it brings um, death back to life, that, that which is empty is refilled, um, that which is gone returns. It's, it, that it, it removes us from behind the walls that isolate us from living fully, loving deeply, and leading well lives that we were created to have. Does it take courage? Yes. Does it mean breaking denial? Yes. Does it mean um, separating ourselves by, from the dissociation that trained us 
to avoid at any cost a return to what had happened in the past. But what happened in the past continues to affect us until we dare to answer the question in the present that God never stops asking from our birth until the last time we take a breath. And that's also the question that loved ones are asking of the people who are no longer present. It's the question that uh, lovers ask, that marital partners ask, that parents ask children, and children ask parents. And when it's spoken, when the when someone dares to ask the question, where are you, we owe life itself an answer. And the answer is the truth uh, spoken from how God created us in heart. Even if it even if we end up saying, I was afraid, so I hid. If that's the truth, then that's the beginning of a return to how we're created to live in relationship with ourselves, others, and God. So as I close, thank you for listening. This extraordinary question has uh, such power, even in our day, for us to be able to respond to it. So thank you for listening. God bless you. And I look forward to uh, speaking with you again. Thank you. Thank you.